Hi, and welcome to the Seven Elements of Wellness podcast. I'm Trisha Marcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We are the creators of the Seven Elements of Wellness lifestyle routine, dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The Seven Elements of Wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements. It's how much attention are we giving each one. Because where your attention goes, your energy flows. When you combine them all and they flow together, it's powerful. This is personal development combined with an overall wellness program. After over 15 years spent on our own health and wellness journey and trying countless practices and modalities, we discovered it's not woo-woo, it's wellness. Woo-woo. Each one of us is on our own path, and what resonates with one might not resonate with another. The purpose of this podcast is to save you time, money, and energy by bringing you the knowledge and the tools that can help empower you and meet you where you're at. It's really a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself and let go of the version of you that tells you you're not. Learning to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just be. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. Welcome to the podcast. We're here with our favorite person, right, Lace? Like, oh seriously, one of our favorite humans ever. He's our soul brother, uh, really brother from another mother, I would That's say. Right. Soul family. From the minute we met him, it was instant connection, and we have so much fun um, playing, growing, and connecting with this man here. And so we're going to have the amazing Jake Trembath, creator of Soul Coast, here with us today. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. We've been talking about doing this podcast for I don't know how long. I think since we met. Yeah. Right. You've already done a podcast and yeah. we've just been dancing and creating and collaborating. So I'm glad we're finally here today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what Jake does with Soul Coast is he has his own like modality of dance, which is kind of like a it's a healing modality for sure. While it's fun. That's what I love about it. It's you don't really know that you're doing the work. I want to hear like the whole how did that even come into play? How did you create that? Tell me a little bit of your journey, where you came from and how it got to be. Sure. So it started right after um, I went through a separation about four or four and a half years ago. And I needed or I wanted to socialize and I really didn't have any connections, any friends, anything deep. And that's really what I've longed for my whole life. And so I started going to the Westerner, which is a dance club up in Salt Lake City. And um, I got accosted a lot by girls because I was fit and single and new. And he's cute, ladies. <laughs> And I had a lot of like uncomfortable conversations with girls that were just like, hey, I just want to hook up with you. And I just didn't feel safe and I just wanted friends. And so I just kind of avoided anyone that felt mm, unsafe or just felt like they wanted me for whatever nefarious purposes they were interested in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so... uh so I avoided that and then I just continually just sought friends and friends and friends and people that didn't want something from me, just like neutral energy or like friendship energy. And so eventually I, I made friends with two dance partners um, that just like completely respected my boundaries, didn't ever pressure me. And what I noticed in those partnerships was that I got better in dance. I felt safer. And so I showed up differently. I showed up like 15% better than I had ever danced before. And that's when I was like onto something that dance, there's something unique in that opportunity to hold space for someone while you were going through that learning and growth process. And so that was kind of my first tip off that there was something different there, an opportunity there. And in those partnerships, I got better and better and better and better and better to the point where um, people started asking us how long we've been married. Like, 
I've been dancing with these girls for like a month and we're getting questions like how long have you guys been together clearly there's an intimate connection clearly you've been together for like 10 years or so and we're just like we just met you know and so people started asking me to, to teach them what I was doing and I had a space um, that I opened up for that opportunity and it just started getting more and more interesting as I was working with people. I started learning about attachment styles. I started getting involved in some challenging relationship dynamics and I was learning about all these weird things that connect into relationships. And then in the dance, I started noticing very similar patterns that match what I was learning about. So at first it was like avoidant attachment style and anxious attachment style. And I noticed it showing up in the dance and I was super curious and I, <laughs> I was so, I was so blown away that everything started correlating I was like, what the heck? And then I, I actually had a girl come in from Seattle um, and I was working with her and she had um, disorganized attachment, which is the chaotic one where, and each of them are indicative of a different past. And that one specifically is indicative of being not treated well by your primary caretaker. And so um, I was in the middle of dancing with her and I noticed that when she was close, she would cling onto me and when she was far away, she'd push, completely push off. And almost like she, her energy was like disgusted, like running away, like how dare you not accept me type of feeling. And it was so curious to me. And so I asked her, I was like, this is going to sound weird, but were you not treated well and or abused by your father growing up? And she's like, she just paused and she's like, how did you know that? <laughs> like your body just told me. This is so weird. But like your body told me that you have disorganized attachment by your, like your body just like has this memory. And this is what I've learned since then is your body just, it's a, it's a memory bank of how you perceive the world to be. And so how you perceive the world is how your body shows up. And so with her specifically, it was like, all right, there's no coincidences here. This is, this is amazing. So from that situation and many others since then, I've pulled information from people's bodies and I'm just curious, right? So people come into my space and I'm like, your body's not responding to me or to what you want it to do. And I just ask enough questions and I figure out what the root causes are. And usually I intuit it, right? Like it just kind of comes in. There's that theory of the hollow, the hollow bone theory where you just kind of have these open bones. It's like it's an Indian theory, but basically that you just open up and you intuit from source, from God, from the universe, like the information. And that happens all the time. So someone will come in with a very specific body thing like, oh, my body won't do this. Or my body's consistently doing this or it's my posture, my frame, whatever. Insert thing that a body does in the process of being scared in a dance. And you can derive information from that. And then because it's just your body doing things, nobody's as triggered as like talk therapy. Talk therapy is just terrifying and you're, you're defending yourself and you're trying to you're trying to like paint a picture with your stories. Your body just tells a story. And whenever you can just be like, why do you think your body's doing that? They get curious with you and you discover the pro you discover what it is together. And so we've discovered there's people that abuse themselves and that shows up in your body. There's people that have been abused that shows up in your body. People that feel like they're a burden. Um, people that just despise themselves. They hold themselves differently. People that are overly confident or overly expressive as a shield or a barrier, like all this stuff shows up in dance. And so it all started with me just noticing that someone holding a safe space for me helped me be a better dancer, helped me to actually like show up. And then it's just been this whole process of discovering all the ways that through partnership and dance that your body holds this conscious memory or this, this, I guess it'd be a somatic memory. And then all the ways that it tells you what is needed for growth and for your next levels of personal development or transformation. So I feel, I'm curious. I feel like I want to go back further than that. Sure. Like what got you into dancing and then the energy I noticed how you're like uh, talking about attachment styles and different things. So where, what's your story of getting into dancing and then 
and an energy and then merging that together. Sure. Um, dancing. So I played rugby. I actually taught a fitness class back in college and I was a trainer. I was teaching an abs that rock class and this girl shows up, she comes up the front <laughs> row <laughs> and the end of the class, she's like, you're going to be friends with my husband. Just like intuited this out of the universe. I'm like, okay, strange, but sweet. And I had no idea what her husband was or who he, what he looked like. It turned out he played rugby just like me and we ended up playing tons of rugby together. And so she was right and they danced back in Canada. And so they taught me a bunch of lifts, um, like country swing dancing lifts. And so it was kind of like a cheat in the dance because it looked like I was good all of a sudden when I didn't know anything about my own body or movement. I did some line dancing before that and then I got into lifts and then I did a few classes um, in college, actually just one class. I maybe went country swing dancing like four times. That was my entire dance experience before that. And then I had a relationship where she was she was telling me that she was happy in her relationship dynamic. And um, she said it with her mouth, but her body and energy told me that she wasn't. And I was like, that's weird. Your body, you, you, you physically told me one thing, but I intuited something completely different from your body. It was the first time that had ever happened to me. And I called it out. I was like, that's strange. This is what I, this is what I read, but this is what you told me. And she was like, oh, yeah. and she was like speechless and then just completely cracked and told me how hard of a time she was having in her relationship and how not fun it was and blah, blah, blah. And so that was the first time I tapped into the energy side of things when I noticed that I could read a body more than I could read a mouth. And then all of it, along with my training as a corrective exercise specialist, and um, as a, and that was my first main job after college. And so after that, like my whole job was just to help people after injury, just get back. And so I was very curious about the body and how, how it functioned and what its roles were and how to stay in balance and all that stuff. And so a lot of it just kind of all paired into what I do now. And it's such a beautiful thing. He's such a gift. So I want to share a little bit about we've danced with Jake and things certainly do come up when you're in that space. Um, he nailed me right away. What did you say to me? Um, let's see. I didn't know how to surrender. Yeah. Um, and I needed to learn to be led. Right. Um, I've been in my masculine energy for so long. He nailed me like within two minutes. Right. And exactly yeah. what was going on with me. I, you guys, I have a tattoo. My very first tattoo has the word surrender stamped on my arm to remind me. So the body really does show when it's it's just it's scary. It's scary to show up in a place for women. I think I can speak to look at a man and to the whole thing is eye contact and connection yeah. and that trust and that vulnerability and to, to let someone dip you and swing you and all that. And he does it in this. It's not like country swing. His modality is there's swing components, but it's all this flow, this feminine, masculine flow and energy that he teaches you through his it's I've never seen anything like it because there's no one pulling you across the thing. He's guiding you yeah. almost energetically, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. I asked the question of like how to come into the energy and it's an intuition. You're like yeah. listening to your body and then people aren't aware. So he's creating that you're creating that container mm -hmm. to where people are like, what? What is this? And so it shows people how that. Oh, that's energy. That's my body. That's my intuition. That's my myself talk. You know, that's something to listen to. So yeah. that was that was something different because we. You know, we learn about that all the time. I've been on this journey about learning about energy. And yeah, it's just such a different awareness when we first stepped in there and started doing that. We we're just kind of like, whoa, like you, all this stuff kind of comes up that you weren't aware of before. And it just it really gives you so much direction. And that's what you're looking for is like the yeah. direction and how you can um, connect with yourself and with others. Yeah. Yeah. Your body is a it holds your it holds memory of what you perceive reality to be, but it, it is literally a physical representation of the energy that you're carrying. 
And so this is weird. This is weird as hell, but I want to share it anyway because it's really funny. Um, last week I was, I was out dancing and I hadn't danced with one of my friends for like six months and we walk out on the dance floor and she's dancing so much looser than she ever has. She's like, like kind of surrendering in her feminine. I was like, this is so interesting. Like this is, I've, I've had, I've danced with her many times and I never felt this energy from her. And I was like, like one of my intuition subconscious things was like, she's, she just got laid or she's in a, she's in a relationship right now. Like I could just tell. Cause like, it was like her energy was so different. Yeah. And so I asked her, I was like, are you, um, how are, how are, how are things like in the dance? And I'm like, I want the information to see if I'm right. And so I'm like asking her if she's in a relationship, what's going on in her dating life. It's like, yeah, I've been seeing someone. And then she's like, why? What, you, you're smiling about something. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> and so I tell her, I was like, your energy is so much more in your feminine than you normally are. Like currently, like you just are dancing and showing up differently. And uh, she, she's like, she's like, yeah, I've been seeing this guy. I'm like, and the physical part of the relationship is good. She's like, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, there it is. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so, so all sorts of things show up in your, yeah. in your energy field and it just, your body's just showing what's going on. And so I just help people see that. And it's really, really easy to move through. I mean, it's, it's, you still have to do work, but it's a lot easier to point out. It's almost like this shortcut to identifying what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like this magical little tool that and I can teach other people how to do it. That's the coolest thing. I have, I've got a whole crew. There's 10 of us now up there in Salt Lake. And I, I'm teaching each one of them how to do what I'm doing on various degrees. It's lots of fun. And we've developed a lot of modules and things to help people work through whatever stuck emotions they have or stuck energy. We've got a whole process now. It's so cool. Well, that's what I love about it is it's more playful and fun. Yeah. It's like you're there in the moment moving it through, like literally like moving it through yeah. rather than versus other kinds of, you know, whatever you want to call it, therapy or modalities or whatever. So that's what I love about it. It's just so playful. because I mean, that's what I do, but it's yeah. all about like something comes up and then sometimes we can hold that fear. But in this situation, you're just like moving it. Yeah. You're just like, okay, what's that? Let's explore. Let's move it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the beauty in it. I really love that. I want to talk a little bit about your modules. Sure. that you're doing. So yep. you work with couples a lot. Does every time you trigger, you've got to be triggering men. Oh yeah. Oh, and women. Both. And women. Yeah. yeah. You are, oh, he's, yeah. he just <laughs> triggers you, not, but in, the, in a beautiful way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to show you the, the shit you need to work through. Yeah. Um, you worked with couples and you started doing retreats. Mm -hmm. We've been to a couple of the retreats and I've, we've actually danced next to some of our biggest mentors who you triggered them. And I didn't, I thought they'd cleared through all their stuff and they were triggered. There's no getting anywhere. Yeah. What is? Um, so you do, you do re dance retreats and it's fun. We've done a dance retreat with Jake yeah. and it's, he, his crew's like, you guys know the movie dirty dancing. It's that energy of like, just this like fun crew and this underground, like dance movement. But then they're just there for each other and such a safe space to work through things that come up and play. They're just beautiful human beings. And um, I love what they're creating. So now you guys have kind of created more like a structure where it actually is doing the work instead of just dance classes. It's mm -hmm. more the modules you're talking about. Tell me like, what are those modules? Just run through them really quick so you can see like the bigger picture of what you get when working with you. Yeah. So what I found in Utah is a lot of people, a lot of people come from trauma bond situation, whether they trauma bond themselves, but there is a lot of programming in this specific area that, so people have a hard time trusting themselves. Like what I found is most of us in this area, culturally, we learned to not trust our own intuition, our bodies. I can remember as a kid, I had all these things that I loved and I chose and I just got reamed at church and with my parents and in my community for, for these choices I was making. So I really just stopped trusting myself at a young age. 
I stopped trusting that I could make any decisions. And so that's the first thing that we do is help identify if people are in a trauma bond situation. And it could be anything from yourself to a relationship where you've tied your worth into someone else. And what happens is if you've seen The Village, the movie, they're stuck in the village by fear. And so it's a triggered response to stay contained. So that's, that is essentially what, what the first thing I identify. If someone is in a trauma bond situation, you can't really work with them. You can look up hundreds of uh, therapeutic um, processing techniques. If someone is actively in a trauma bond, you can't really do much with them because they can't see, they can't see the writing on the wall. They can't, they've never been out of the trauma bond. A lot of people have lived in it since they were kids. And so they can't see out. So it's really, really, really hard to navigate people out of that space. So I actually work with people typically after or if they're in the process of leaving the trauma bond. But according to most therapists, it takes about two months of clarity of having space from that situation before you can have like normal conversations where you can actually understand. Because otherwise everything is so terrifying that you, you're not willing to do much because you're still in that fear space. And I know several people that have come to me and they just, they cannot stay because they don't get it. They can't. They can't think or see clearly. It is so strange, but it is like, I, I know because I was there. I was in my own situation. And so that's kind of the first module is helping people out of a trauma bond situation, whatever the case is, helping people get out of the fear space so they can actually process and think through and work through things. So that's kind of the first piece that we do. The next thing is we identify, there's a lot of getting out of the trauma bond situation. The thing that puts them back in it is emotional dysregulation. Um, and so we, we have some some practices with that. We advise people to go through, um, there's actually two trainings here that we encourage. One is called Entheos. It's at uh, Rewild, or, and then Rewilding is the other one. They're both at Homestead Ranch. But they help people with their emotional dysregulation so that they can actually stay stable enough so they don't get, because what happens in a trauma bond is the edges of that trauma bond are held in by fear. And if something can scare you enough, it will send you back into the trauma bond. And so until you're out for two months, like if you're out for two months, you can actually kind of like regulate and start making different choices. But if people are well within the confines of a trauma bond, they think that they're fine because they're like, oh, I'm fine. Nothing triggers me right now. But they just don't realize that the fear is keeping them in a certain space. And so anyway, once people are out, we help them with emotional regulation processes. And then once they're there, once they can kind of like regulate emotions and stay level headed for a long enough period of time, we start identifying the difference between pain and suffering areas in their life. Now, quick definition, suffering is when pain gets so hard that you just get so dysregulated to go back to your trauma bond situation. It's it's so much pain that you can't handle it. It feels like absolute, absolute chaos in your system. And so we identify areas where they have so much suffering that they can't process emotion. Usually it's like a PTSD or complex PTSD situation where they're, where something is triggered and it sends them back to that place. And then we help them limit suffering and increase pain. Pain sounds terrible, but pain is actually a place where you can work. So if you have a painful situation, you can work through it. A suffering situation, you just go to this place of complete shutdown. And that's usually when we see your fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. Um, some people have a fawn and flight response where they disappear and they like fawn to like cling to their old trauma bond. Some people have a fight, fight response where they'll fight you or they'll fight all the people around them. Um, some people have a freeze response where they just shut down emotionally and they can't process. If any of those four responses are happening, we don't typically, we help identify those things and then help them work through that. But that's kind of our second module is identifying difference between pain and suffering. And then we, just like you guys do with seven elements, we do this with like, there's areas where we look at and it's basically the same thing. It's like, are you, are you feeling stuck here? Are you feeling stuck here? And everyone has different things. And it's kind of important that I trigger people because trigger, the triggers are designed to help people see where they're stuck because the second they go to that that dysregulated space, um, that's when we can start identifying 
what it is that needs to be worked on. And then we just make a list and it's like, Hey, you've got triggers here, 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 and here, and here. Let's, let's make a note of those things. And then we have these basically frameworks and things that we take people through to help people start moving the emotion, actually feeling those things so they can get to a place of pain instead of suffering so they can work through it. Eventually they go through that process enough time that we actually help them navigate all of these pain and suffering topics. The next stage after that is we start looking at inner critic and outer critic dialogue. So we all have <laughs> internal voices in our heads and most of those are speaking from our belief systems from our childhood or, you know, parents, church leaders, school leaders, corporate leaders, bosses, boyfriends, girlfriends, all these things team up to become this uh, internal dialogue that we have in our head. Sometimes we beat ourselves up and depending on your attachment style and depending on your fight, flight, freeze or fawn response, we then identify what it is that they typically will do with what their inner critic is doing. So if someone is an avoidant, so just take an example. So I was an avoidant attachment person. I realized I was in a situation that I wanted to fight for every day the rest of my life. And I couldn't do it because I was avoidant. So I, I just locked myself into that place. So I sat and I chose, chose not to leave. But in that, in doing that process, I'm still uncomfortable. And so instead of my flight response, I had a fight response. So I would sit and stay, but then I would fight someone else. And that brought up my outer critic because I was still uncomfortable and I wanted space away from them. And so we start identifying inner critic and outer critic dialogue. And all of that is just former belief systems that's speaking through your current thought process. And so we help people identify those belief systems and what they're saying. And then eventually we get to a place where we have enough space. We teach them meditation and regulation practices. And what happens when you meditate, if you just imagine yourself as like so shrouded with all these walls, like just imagine yourself in 25 bubbles because you have all these fears and terrors about relationships and abuse and you can't trust men, you can't trust women, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to be able to tune into your higher self or your source or the universe or God, whatever you're trying to say. So when you teach, when you teach in silence and get those inner critic and outer critic to a, to a manageable place and then teach meditation, which is the next one, you start opening up. Just imagine like clearing out all those walls above you and opening up a straight channel to your higher self or your source. And then from that place, um, we start teaching people. That's when curiosity, curiosity is like every stage of this process. But when people get to that point, that's when they can actually start intuiting guidance from their higher. This is like, that's what meditation does. It clears all the debris and you're just giving enough space. You don't have the noise of technology. You don't have the noise of relationships. You just like are sitting with yourself. And that allows this wonderful opportunity for clarity where you actually get like, it's like back in the old days, like going up on the mountain, receiving revelation from God type of idea. But you're literally just intuiting guidance from yourself or source or God or whatever your, your, the situation is for you. Once people are there and they start to make things, that creation is you every time. Um, the reason why that creation can't last, well, just imagine you're planting a garden. Your inner critic, outer critic, dysregulation, the village, all these things that are behind us now, they would disrupt and destroy anything that starts to grow. Because something would pop up and you're just like, no, it's not good enough. I'm sure you guys have had experiences where you're in the process oh, yeah. of creation mm -hmm. and something, you start creating something and it just like, you just destroy it because you're like, ah, it's not good. It's not good. I'm, I'm worthless. This is bad, whatever the case is. And so once people start growing things, the whole game flips on its head. So it, it used to be like, hey, get rid of all these negative things. But then once these little fruits and these little plants start popping up that are you, we teach people the process of nurturing their growth. And that looks like exploration and curiosity and you're watching other people dance and you're watching yourself dance and you're playing with your own body and seeing how like your body can move. And then you do that with a partnership. And it's like, so once you get past all of this crazy dysregulated place where all the triggers are happening, 
creation is different because it's all you and we teach people how to kind of live with themselves and appreciate themselves. And then the co-creation begins to happen. And co-creation is the magical place of partner dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but co-creation is this magical thing because you're creating together. And then, and you have to, the reason why it's so triggering and hard and such a cool modality is because in the masculine feminine dynamic of relationships, whether whatever, whether it's a work partnership or a re family relationship, like there's always something that is stuck. I've, I've yet to find anyone that's like, oh yeah, my relationships are also hunky dory, you know? <laughs> and so, so we get to use dance as the modality to help start moving that those emotions through. Cause you're, you're literally creating in the direct line of contact face you're seeing someone right across from you and it because it's so scary it's it's just this like uh, like it starts off so terrifying but as we work through the our little modules and stuff um towards the end people are creating at a level they never have before and what's cool is their life starts to shift because if you do it in one thing it, it works in all things and the way we the way we set up our practice people come to us and we make sure that they tie everything to everything they can see because they're in this place of kind of dysregulated chaos. And as we start organizing and directing life and stuff, um, they bring up all of the things together. So it's like, hey, as you see this struggle in dance, how does that show up in your work? How does that show up in your relationships? How does it show up in your partnerships? How does it show up with your kids? And then we invite them to consciously tie everything together. And as we work through this process, they pull all of them through to the other side. And granted, some get left behind and they have to go through and repeat the process for different areas if they're, you know, and then there's going to be traumas and hard relationships and things that show up. And so we help people through the process and then they just kind of go on a repeat until they get to a place of creation and co-creation in, in every different avenue of their life. And the end result is their life starts looking like them. It looks like something that you couldn't even imagine. And, you know, if you were to draw up your life, but because you are so unique, we can't like we're blind to our own reality. We, we're blind to who we are. I never thought I'd be a dance therapist. You know? Like that's, <laughs> that's not something that even crossed my mind. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. But because we're all so unique, when we start creating, we start discovering who we are. Because that's just, a, it's just us. Like what we're putting on the dance floor, what we're putting in our relationships, once we get rid of our, once we get out of our way, we're not, we're no longer creating for someone else, no longer living in someone else's box. Our worth is no longer tied to someone's opinion of us. We get to just be us. Just be. Just be. Just be. Be yeah. exactly. authentic self. That's my jam. You know it. The thing that comes to my mind is that you really do teach radical responsibility. And it always starts with Jake. He he's pretty responsible for uh, you know the everything he energy he brings in the space. And as a leader, he always is, leads by example. And I love that because we're we're never there. We're always learning and growing. And so beautiful what you're doing. I it lights me up. I'm like I wish everybody could do this in the <laughs> world. Do you mostly work with couples, singles, both? Oh. Yeah. yeah, we have everything from group classes. We do Wednesdays and Friday classes up in Salt Lake and then Tuesday classes. We're just starting next month. Our classes are getting super full. So we're opening up to a new space, which can hold like a couple hundred instead of our usual 50 or 60. Um, so that's like most of those are singles. And then some couples will show up. Uh, we have single single lessons with singles and then we have a lot of couples and small groups that come in um, couples are very interesting because like one on one we can work with people on a deeper level the couples they they hide more than anybody else because they just like their stories and they've lived in the stories they've told the story to their partner and once I bring up something they're like well that's okay maybe right it's like <laughs> they get defensive and they're like oh shit my body just said that didn't it like yep so what I'm finding right now instead of like because I'm finding we're getting couples we're getting singles we're getting groups all sorts of people are showing up in the space 
But what I'm getting most is people that are ready for the next stage of their evolution and they feel stuck. And so a lot of people that are like, like, I've done breath work and ice baths and I've done so many like yoga for like four or five, 10 years. And I just, this area I'm stuck in. So this is like the modality for movement for uh, masculine, feminine dynamics and relationships in general. And what I've witnessed is that you teach people both that feminine and masculine role of dance. I've seen you twirl around huge men, but I've also seen men dip you and I've seen you play the feminine role. And it's really cool to watch you go in out of lead and being led. Tell me a little bit about that process and, and what does that look like? Yeah. So with couples is actually one of the one of the coolest things you can do is switch the perspective. So if you are in the masculine role leading the feminine and they're like, well, she should be doing it this way. You get to flip and be like, all right, show her how it's done. Yes. And you be the flow like me and I'll lead you. And they're like, what the? Okay. And then it helps people realize you can't just tell someone else they've got to shift their reality. Like you hold your space and then help them flow into theirs. So the way it works is we teach the masculine role, which is form and the feminine role, which is flow. And so the masculine role, all it is is just helping lead the structure of the dance. And then the feminine is leading the flow of the dance. And so um, the way it looks is we teach masculine how to lead and how to keep within a structure. We, we call it, it's like they're the banks of the river and the feminine is the, the water of the river. And we play with anything from like light think like really windy flow where it's just like so flowy and graceful. It's like butterflies in the wind to water flow, which is like, um, you just imagine yourself as water kind of flowing up and down. We call it the slot, which is just like, it's the dance. It's the middle of the dance floor that it's right in the middle of the, the follows center. So that's her slot. That's, and then the guy, the lead actually gets in and out of the way. And then the, the last one we teach is like a lava flow where it's really heavy. It's like heavy flow, but it's like it's still flowing, like you can still kind of see it going. And that has completely different, all of them have different structures that you play with. So all of it is a lot of fun. But yeah, the main idea is we teach form and flow and how to be the form for like Aryan butterfly flow, because that's going to be really, really light. Because you don't, you're not going to crunch a butterfly trying to get it to do what you want. Like you just play with the butterfly. You just let it, let it play in the wind and you're giving it light confines and you just play with it. Water is like, well, this thing is going to get out of hand if I don't give it some kind of structure. And so you kind of lead it a little, a little differently, like you give it a channel. When you get to like lava flow, it is so thick and heavy and you can be thick and heavy. And so both of you guys tighten up your tension to the point where you can really, really maneuver. And that's where more, more breakdancing stuff comes in because it's just like it's so heavy and tight that it's just like I can move. I can move. I can send a wave through you and we can dance sideways and up and down and diagonal and we can play all sorts of ways with hip hop. So or like a Skrillex style, like dubsteps. It's so fun to play at that level. But all of them are a blast and they're just different types of flow. One is like air and one is like lava. One's like water. So the main idea is. Um, we teach people the different roles, whatever they choose into. So you have your masculine form meets feminine flow. And this is, this is probably the most interesting thing that I've stumbled across lately is we live in a fairly masculine world. And what I find from almost every feminine that I work with, they, they have a craving and a desire and a need to be in their feminine, to just flow. They just want to so desperately be held by the masculine frame, by masculine frame. And then um, what's interesting is dance is one of the places where they can communicate almost perfectly because the masculine form meets the feminine form. That's her frame in the dance. And the ma the feminine flow meets the masculine flow, which is like his ability to groove and move with you. And so the main thing that I noticed recently is that dance is one of the few places where the feminine and the masculine can communicate almost perfectly. And you're not using words. You're just playing together. So imagine a space where the masculine and feminine can meet in a play space 
and then learn how to have no judgment there. It is one of the coolest experiences that you can have in a relationship, in my professional opinion. <laughs> I have had a lot of people show up in my space that are um, ready. Well, okay, so I'll be out in public and some of my friends will be like, just shove a couple in front of me. And they're like, teach them how to dance. And I don't do that. I'm not a party trick. I'm not a you know, I'm not a show pony. Like, it's just not what I do. I'm always like, I'm not your dance monkey. I know. I'm <laughs> and then a... I'm like, dance monkey. And then you dance. <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe right now. <laughs> yeah, and but sometimes I sometimes I do that. But now it's like really frustrating because now that I'm reading energy more, uh, there's a couple that got brought in front of me and he was abusive with her. And I could just tell instantly. People mm-hmm. have brought kids in my space. I know they're being abused. Like, it just, it's it's a mm-hmm. gift, but also like a it's, it's really hard in public when people shove people in my space. And so I've been asking people not to do that anymore. Like if people are interested, they can come into my space. Because if they're ready, they'll come in. If, if I'm out in public and someone shoves a couple in front of me, they're not ready. They're like the, the last couple that got shoved in front of me, literally like her body was telling me that she, he's actively like manhandling and controlling her. And I was just like, Ugh. I got so like they didn't ask to be in my space. So I can't help them. Someone shoved them and said, help them. And I said, guys come to me when you're ready to be helped because I can't you can't force someone out of the village you have to be open yeah one of my best friends is in the village and I can't do anything about it yeah it's gotta wait you know when we talk about fears what do you think is the most common fear that shows up for people um the fear of being seen like in everything um once you reach the the later modules transparency is really important for growth um, if you if you can imagine a situation where the five people that you trust more than anyone in the world sit there and get to look through every f- facet of your life, your financial situation, your relationships, how you treat your mom, like all the hard things and love you there. It, it's number one, if you're terrified, which probably all of us are thinking about our scariest things being exposed to our favorite people. But on the other side, if you have the emotional resilience, which is the process that we teach is like giving people the ability to handle themselves emotionally so they don't go to a place of suffering. If you can imagine having the emotional resilience to sit there and to have all of your five closest people help you, which first is terrifying, but if you can imagine how much power that would give your life and how much growth you'd have like instantly, like it is wild. So what I do is I help people identify those fears and those walls. And it's it's a little easier because it's one-on-one and it, they think, you know, it's dancing. But the number one thing that I see is being seen. Um, but once they get past that fear... Um, the fear of being vulnerable again, because every one of us has gone through all sorts of pains and we just believe the world to be a certain way and opening up again, a second, third, fourth, fifth time is absolutely terrifying. And so that's a fear and it's really hard to, to, to bridge because it's like, yeah, I'm ready to be vulnerable, but who and where and why? And sometimes you don't know how. Yeah. Like you really just don't. That fear takes over. Yeah. And you just. It's crippling. It is crippling. And not only the fear of being seen, but I think the fear, Lace used to always say it's her perception of other people's perceptions of me. So you just are from the space if you think you're going to be so judged. And that's just a tribal thing, right? (laughs) I mean, just in general. So. Well, in in the beginning of our life, it's terrifying to be judged because we're never enough. We're too much. There's like everyone has opinions about how we should be. But in our adult safe spaces, I want that opportunity. Well, on the other side, after you work through your emotional stuff, it's so nice to be judged because especially if you trust the people, right? And they're not speaking from their fears. But the flip side of that is like the judgment is nice. Like if you if you guys were to see something for me, like I love you guys so much that I would literally sit there like laced at it last night. We were talking about relationships and she brought something up and she's like, or this. And I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's cool about it. Yeah, it's, you can just see it and own it. 
yeah. take that responsibility. Like the beauty of being able to see what it is. Yeah. And then move. That's yeah. That's the beauty of it. And that's the magic of having yeah. amazing, connected, beautiful friends is we can just see stuff for each other. And when we were kids, it wasn't safe because someone would see something for you and just be like, you're doing it wrong, right? Like that's yeah. the constant feeling. And so you can't actually exist. You can't just like leave the village and exist way over here where there's emotional resilience because you're constantly thinking that everyone's judging you. Like you cannot get out of your own head. That's why you can't work with people in the village until they choose to leave because over here on this side, it could be the most loving thing in the world that's being told to you. But because you're still in the village, you're going to see it as criticism and it's going to put you back in a scared place. And so this is one of the more fascinating things that I've been up to lately. Um, I'm reading this book, Multipliers. It's a pretty good book. Um, the, the idea of the book is so phenomenal. It's the idea that you can bring out or diminish the best or worst things in people around you. And I think that we all inadvertently do this. And so... That's why we're attracted to spaces that are triggering for us is because they bring out the things that we get to or need to work on. But um, we get to work on our emotional resilience enough so that we can actually work on those things. But with that in mind, the idea that you could bring someone's best out of them, you can also bring the exact thing or see the exact thing that triggers the hell out of you in them. Even if it's not there or if 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 you are that powerful of a creator that like one of my buddies, I was on my way to go see him the other day. My whole my truck broke down like there's all these crazy things that happen and then it left it left kind of a weird taste in both our mouths. Like neither of us could do anything about it, but we were literally setting it up for the next scenario that happened where we triggered, well, he got triggered by situations. Um, it was like perfect, but one of the two of us is a powerful creator and we're, we're bringing out a certain aspect in the other person that we need to look at because we're all mirrors for each other. And so one of the things I've been playing with is this idea that like, yes, hold a safe space for everyone, but it's very interesting to see the things that come out when we're like, as we are, we're in each other's spaces and what gets triggered because I've got a relationship that I've had that um, I don't feel like I'm ever in the space of criticism, but it is always taken as criticism. And that's my opinion is that it's because they're in a village and it's just they can't see that all of it is from a place of love. Because like my best friends, <laughs> the difference between the two realities is in my best friend's spaces or the place, places that I trust, I want the information. I want it. It can feel as criti critical as you want. I don't care. Like I want the information because I want to grow and get out of that place so bad. If you're in the village, it hurts so bad. There's so much suffering that you can't process it and handle it. And it just like immediately shuts everything down and you go back to a place of fear and closed offness. And so um, anyway, what's fascinating is helping many people get to the place of uh, it's called the book is called multipliers, but it's this place where you can multiply each other. And it doesn't matter if it seems critical. I know without a doubt that you guys love me. And so if you were to say the hardest thing in the world to me, like, hey, Jake, you probably should look at this thing. I would just it might be hard, but I'll look at it. Right. And I want more of that information. And so it's just this idea that like you can bring out the best or worst in other people. But once you get to a place of um, leading your own life and not being pushed and pulled by your fears, it allows you to be a multiplier for more people because you're not putting them in a place because because of your fears. You're literally like, oh, thank you so much for that information. And then it helps everyone be encouraged to be like, hey, yeah, we're here to support each other. And this is what it looks like. It looks like challenging conversations. It looks like, hey, dude, I love you so much that I'm willing to like put our relationship on the line to tell you how hard this, this situation is. It doesn't make me feel good or whatever the case is. So anyway, the word that keeps coming to my mind is, and you've said it before is the curiosity. And I think when yeah. you say how to, and when you say triggers, it's that moment in that person to look at it as being the how to is learning how to take that moment when you hear something triggering or you're feeling something and you are, instead of going one way, you, you are curious. 
Yeah. It's turning that shame and that guilt feeling that you instantly get usually when you feel like you've done something wrong or there's there's static in your body where it shows up, right? We just a lot of times go in and at least I can speak for myself, a blame and shame cycle. Um, But since I've been learning how to do things, not only with curiosity, but like just think I'm cute doing it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, Trish, look at that. Like just be more. Like Lisa always says, ease and grace, Mm. trying to like look at those triggers instead of getting so upset by them of just being more like, look at you did that again. That was cute. You don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) You know, Mm. I feel like the curiosity comes from and we said this, too. We said pain. Right. So it's that pain of change because you hear it in your voice. He's like, I'm ready. I want to know. Yeah. It's getting to that place to um, where you want to know. That's 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 when you know, like the pain to change, and yeah. that's the beauty of it because you know that you're ready to move to move through it. Yeah, yeah, and that the curiosity is really super crucial because it really does just like shift perspective. It's like, oh yeah, that's interesting, and that's what happens when people come into my space because they're curious. Nobody's seen what I do before. Literally, like there's one person out of uh, Austin that called me up and was like, I didn't know there was anyone else that was doing what I'm doing. But after talking, she's like, you're way further ahead in this than I am. But it's so interesting for people to come into my space because they are curious. They're like, why, why is my body saying that? And when you get to a place of curiosity with me, especially just because I'm a, I feel like I'm number one triggering and number two, I identify the triggers. If you can be in a place of curiosity, your growth is is exponential because it's just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for showing it to me. That was interesting. I wonder why I do that. And then it's like, and then all of our homework assignments and everything just help people move that energy. And shame and guilt are the two most Mm -hmm. stuck emotions. They're the lowest vibrating emotions out of all of them. And so um, that is the place where if you're feeling that at all, you're in the village on some level. Mm -hmm. If you, if you are constantly in a place of um, suffering, then you are in the village and as much as like it's nice to be in the middle of the village where you're not bothered by the scary monsters on the edge, it's not growth there. You're, you're, you're just stuck in this place until you can leave and get to a place where you can actually regulate your emotions and actually identify pain and suffering and realize that you're in a suffering place whenever these things are triggered. Like that is a massive indicator that that needs to move out of your system because if you don't do it, your body will continue to make itself sick. Like our bodies are, a, they're just somatic memory. It's what it is. And so you're, you're just holding on to all these memories and feelings of the past. Yeah, you can stay in the village, but you'll consistently be sick. Things, your body will shut down. Eventually your body will kill itself. Literally it will kill itself. We know that from the body keeps the score and several other books. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jake, if we wanted to work with you, like what would be the next step? So it's easy if you're up in Salt Lake, you can always come up and see me. I've got people that fly in to see me. Um, so that's, it's easy if you're coming up there. I'm down here. I have a schedule. I'm down here at least once a quarter, but I'm trying to do it at least once a month. Um, we're looking for a space where we can do workshops like one day a week or one day a month. We're working on getting a schedule for that. But March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, that's our ne- our next dance retreat. That's at Homestead Ranch just outside of St. George. Um, we do those quarterly. And then I have online modules that are up. You can find them through our website. It's soulcoast.dance, S-O-U-L coast.dance. And then we have Yen on Fire, which we'll be at. We have um, we have during the summer we do these big camp out retreat weekends. So we build the dance floor next to a river or in the middle of a field. We set up all the bathrooms and stuff, so it's just like this easy access. People just show up and just hang out for the weekend. Those are more about dance and just having fun and connecting than anything. Um, in Salt Lake, every Wednesday and Friday we have stuff, and then Tuesdays. And up there also, our community is a lot stronger. We have like paint nights. That was last night. We have a poetry night coming up. Yeah. And then on a private level, 
once people go through my beginning training, understanding tension and all that stuff, I can work with them online. And so that's an option for Zoom meetings. Um, it's a little, it's kind of a crazy idea to work, do dance lessons online. But once the tension is understood, because that's like the most, that's like how you talk and dance, how you're holding each other is, is how you communicate. So once that's understood, I can work with people on any capacity. And then we do have, we're going to a, we're going to check out a few places in Costa Rica for a more intensive six, seven day retreat for couples. And so that is, that will be a much smaller group, like four or five couples, but it'll be literally zero to dance in a week. And if anyone wants to go on my TikTok, um, it's the funky cowboy or funky cowboy. You can, you can see a lot of those dance partners are people that I've taught to dance in the last year. Many of them, it's less than six months and they are phenomenal. My current favorite partner has only been dancing less than six months. But like the ability to move through stuff and process and start dancing is is a lot quicker than you think. Everyone's like, well, I'm not a dancer, but that's <laughs> just a story that you're telling yourself. Yep. You just haven't had the right teacher, I promise. Like you show up and work with me for a little bit and your movement will be super rapid. And of course, it's going to be triggering, of course. And that's really, really, really hard for people that are already in the conscious space because they're like, Ugh. like there's these, this is massive fear that no one really wants to face. Um, but yeah, so to work with me privately, you can reach out, social media, any number of avenues. You can come to the group lessons on Wednesdays or Fridays or Tuesdays. You can come to the dance retreats. I'm guessing this summer we'll run one one or two couples retreats, zero to dance in you know four or five days. And that's going to be, we're looking at some locations in Costa Rica. Um, we also could do that at Homestead Ranch. There's a few other places that we have access to. Um, and then we have a few private venues that are like smaller houses that are just like, it's just a super fun weekend. And then after that, you're tapped into the community and you have a language and a process to which you can work through those emotions. So yeah, there's there's a ton of avenues to work with me. Yeah, those are those are some of the main ones. Right. We'll put all the links to connect to Jake in the show notes. Uh, we're going to be at that dance Sign retreat. Sign for Costa Rica. Uh, yeah, and I'm kind of down for Costa Rica too. <laughs> and we're committing to um, bringing Jake here and holding some Seven Elements workshops with him so you guys can get a little taste of what he does and experience it yourself. Um, Jake, thank you so much for coming down here from Salt Lake. Thank you for all you're doing for honestly the collective for our for all of us thank yeah. you appreciate you and your gifts super happy to bring it to the table it's just as fun for me to explore as it is everyone else everyone so, has their version come check out his that's yeah. what i love everyone has their element their fun. version appreciate you very much well, thank you love you guys love you too Hey, we would love to connect with you. We believe that community and relationships are a vital element. And when you're doing the work, sometimes it can feel lonely. It doesn't have to be. You can join us on our Seven Elements of Wellness private Facebook group. This is a group where you'll get ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like-minded community. You can also find us on Instagram at Seven Elements of Wellness. This is where you'll find out about upcoming events, look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make sure to check out our website at 7elementsofwellness.com. Here you can learn more about our mission and connect with our sponsors. You can purchase merchandise and get the latest on local and live streamed events. Are you guys down for a challenge? We got you covered. Head over to the website for all your challenge info, purchase a lifestyle kit, or download your free checklist. If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started. The Seven Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much.